0: Hello. Today I have Lewis with me. Hi, Lewis. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about
1: yourself? Good. I should say good morning, though where I am, it's good evening or even good night. Um, yeah, Lewis Hastings. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am or what I do or exactly where I live, but um, my alter ego, it, like, is a crime author, and uh, I've been doing that officially for two years started just as the pandemic started.
0: And did you always know that you wanted to be a writer?
1: Yep. I hear this question you ask it all the time, and uh, I was thinking about this the other day like a pre-briefing, Donna. I was thinking, put on you, Donna, it you give me some starts here? Um, I first, I was told by my English teacher, who was called Theodora Brute, and when I look back, she was at least 88 when we were at school. She was probably only 45. But when you're seven or eight, <clears throat> you know, you, you tend to think that these people are much older. She was an adorable English teacher who just hammered us with the rules of English and said there's no such thing as a, you know, a bad story as long as it's interesting. Your stories, you know how to tell a story, and one day you will. And I, when you're 10, you just 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 washes over you, doesn't it? But I wish you were still alive. I wish I could send her a copy of the book, she'd be 140 now, but (laughs) somewhere up in the library in heaven, she's sat watching, smiling, you know. So, yeah, from that moment on, really. But I actually didn't put pen to paper. Until 2014, that was the first time I actually started writing. And I've been writing an autobiography, which was designed to create two printed copies, one for each of my children. And that was it. As far as I was concerned, I'd achieved my aim. And the reason I did that, done because i have been to a family funeral. And I found out something about an uncle that I never knew, and it was fascinating. This, this uncle was quite of that generation where they didn't, he was quite, paid, quite normal, but he had this fabulous ego. And I thought, yeah, what a shame I found that out now. So I'll write an autobiography. It took probably five or six years to write 10 chapters. And then, in a cathartic moment, I—I I think you might know this story. but I had to travel back to England uh, to sit with my dear old dad in a hospice um, and read this autobiography. And he said, I mean, look, you—what you but you need to finish it. I've got along." So I, I flew back and uh, I wrote 48 chapters five and a half months, which was some going. Uh, edited it myself, made a terrible job of it, printed a cover, got it printed, sent a copy to him, and, and yeah, we, we, we managed to sit and read it before we lost him, which was a wonderful thing, truly cathartic. But before, before he passed away, he said, to me, for God's sake, will you please take a section of this autobiography and find a way of writing it? if You can turn it into a film, so that was his dying wish for me, and I've, I've been trying to sort of ever since, you know. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a long answer, really, to a very short question, isn't
0: it? And also, answers my next question because you've been cheating a little into my interviews. No,
1: not me, <laughs> doing my homework, my background,
0: and <laughs> um, so. Is that exactly what you did then when you wrote your first book, is take that bit?
1: Well, no, actually. <clears throat> what, I, what happened was there was a... So you haven't read the trilogy, have you? Not yet, no. No, that's right. Okay, well, it's, ironically, it's a big story, the trilogy. In fact, the book's was big as well. And you you, <laughs> you mentioned the chemists. Like, oh, my God, this is a big book. Actually, the chemist is a comparison um, to the... Uh, much to a chagrin, uh, because they probably cost more to print. And we're learning our lessons. So, one rainy Thursday, I was uh, on duty in an international border when I met a delightful Bulgarian girl, and once I can't tell you what we discussed. Told me a story that was actually, of course, very true, and. Terribly, Donna, my professional brain, whichever half that is, probably the left half. Um, you're nodding, which is good. So you're, you've got the forensic degree. <laughs> I have no degree. Um, the professional part of the brain was listening and, and taking all that information in and listening to what she was telling me. The creative part of the brain was thinking, This is a fantastic story. I wonder how I can craft this. Anyway, I spent the Day with this girl, and, uh, eventually had to let her go, and she disappeared into the ether. And I don't know where she is now. She was very skilled at what she did. Anyway, she became uh, Nicolina, and from there, I I went home and I started writing the first book, which is called Seven. and that's the Seventh Wave trilogy, followed by Seven Degrees and Seven of Swords. Seven is my lucky number. Um. So yeah, that's how that all started, and it's now become a hideous addiction.
0: <laughs> With book no, number five, isn't it the chemist?
1: Five, the chemist. Yes, we on the twenty second of twenty twenty two. Rebecca, uh, Adrian, uh, from Hobec, and I chose that number because. Well, originally, I just like the, 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 the sequence of the numbers, but apparently, the numerologists and the astrologists just think it's the best number for for fifty or years. So, yeah, we went for that. Apparently, very lucky. Yeah. And so far, all the reviews have proved that it's very lucky. So, um, yeah, the fifth book is the chemist. The sixth book is well underway. Um, finished this year, and the seventh is already waking me up at night.
0: Blimey, Mm. yes, so we will get to the chemist in a moment Um, but I will ask one of my trickier questions which is if you were to take out one of your characters for a meal who would you choose and what would you ask them?
1: That's that's a great question, I can't take Nicolina out for a meal because I've done that already and the questions I asked her I can't tell you. Ooh, would it be? Would it be stereotypical pretty Eastern European girl like mm-hmm. Nicolina's daughter? Um, just as a side segue here, I've had so many men write to me about Elena. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and this is a spoiler alert, so I can't explain. But men across the world were um, most vexed about my Elena. So perhaps it would be her. But no, I I think actually the the, the character from any of the books?
0: Yeah, from any.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it would have to be the Angel of Whitehall. And he's a real angel. The inspiration behind that book, who we lost, uh, sadly, along with quite a few other family members during the, the major first COVID wave to hit Europe. So yeah, the the angel is um, the man God love him who died three days before we published, and uh, never got to see the that that story fulfilled. But it's about him. So I think that's that's the answer really, rather than some sort of uh, arty answer on bringing that doesn't exist back to life and back to life. It would be wonderful.
0: Uh, and you so could have easily gone with the hot European, so I'm impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I I had to sort of fingers when I said that, but um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, look, that hot European doesn't exist. Her mother, the real mother, does, and she's still wandering around the airports of the world, or probably not so much recently. But um, yeah, the the fact that i dis- I've created a character, uh, Elena, is very rare characters in my books that isn't real. So probably 95% of the characters in the books are real. So I'm glad I'm glad I kept my integrity intact.
0: <laughs> just.
1: Yeah, just on a knife edge.
0: <laughs> okay, so if you were to be picked up and transported as a, a character into one of your books, which book would you choose?
1: Well, the classic answer for me is the question that I get all the time: Are you dead? So I to leave that hanging there, um, you know, <laughs> some sort of um, artistic bent, or no? I mean, I think any author that writes a main character must inject. So I guess I've got to say Jack Cade. I can experience what it's like for him to um, to race around the streets and uh, chasing people. Oh, I've done that. Actually, no, I, it's okay. I've, <laughs> I've actually done that for a living, so that's okay. So yeah, I'm going to stick with Jack Cade. Or the chemist. Yeah. Having, spent, having spent a lifetime of protecting people, what about flipping it on its head and becoming the chemist and, being a really devious, evil so and so. see what it's like to be awful, because it's not me, it's not my natural persona. But um, yeah, let's let's just say the chemist as we watch that one.
0: Yeah, be interesting to be in his head, maybe. Kind of scary. No, though. it wouldn't.
1: It, would, yeah. it wouldn't. It would be bloody awful. He's a horrible man. He's obnoxious. Yes. He's a nasty, insidious creepy dangerous man
0: yes and I think like I said in my review usually when you read a crime book you know that the bad guy is going to get caught and when I was reading that I was like I'm not sure because he's so clever
1: <laughs> he is very clever uh, he does exist the real the real comp, real man um yeah I went hunting for him in Spain that was great fun and uh when you read Seven of Swords, you'll read about that That part. Um, there are people, I mean, my mother, bless her, she was horrified when she, um, she read the book. I don't remember raising you uh, <laughs> all those years ago to be such a horrible person. Where does this come from, this inbuilt inner uh, horror? And I, I guess it's, anybody that's, that's ever been involved in emergency services or medical services, forensic, Donna, um, morticians, CSIs—you name it. You develop a uh, an outer exoskeleton or whatever it's called. You know, you you develop this extra skin, and by writing about some of these. You're actually purging things that have happened, you've experienced, you've observed over the years. Um, otherwise, you carry them with you. They're like the worst baggage possible.
0: Yeah. I've heard that a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. You find most, most, most writers suffer from a number of things one is imposter syndrome. Um, there's no way my work is good enough to entertain anybody, uh, and we don't do that to praise. We genuinely mean that. No, you know, You're the most
0: insecure bunch of people I've ever known.
1: Oh, we're terrible. We all need counselling. Um, <laughs> even this is a counselling session now. Thank you. I, I will send you money. Um, <laughs> not that. not that much, but obviously I'll send you a couple of quid. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. The other place, fine, it's fine. Please. Um, the other thing is that I think crime authors particularly, despite the fact we've got this most amazing community with people, like this, uh, with reviewers, bloggers, writers authors, um, it's such a friendly and supportive community. It's incredible. There's the top names, you write to the top names and they write back to you. It's great. But we're all slightly twisted, I think. Um, Otherwise, you couldn't write what you write. There are taboos. We've all got taboos, and we won't cross that line. You're going to ask me what mine is, and I'm not going to tell you.
0: (laughs) No, it's fine. I used to ask, actually, but... Yeah. Um, Yeah, even Stephen King said that uh, he thinks every book he sends to his editor the editor is going to come back and say what the hell is this so if Stephen is, he, cares,
1: a, is it? he a writer <laughs> a little <laughs> bit yeah just
0: 60
1: just odd books yeah well I've only got 55 and I'll be catching him he's right though we, we suffer with this intense uh, fear and loathing um, you know that my, my boss uh, is extremely well published in the, um, the academic world. I completely admire your ability to create a story out of nothing, you know? And I guess that's the flip side to that, to that imposter syndrome, is that you've got this kind going on in your head. You know, you walk through a supermarket and you see somebody and you think, I wonder who they are, you know? Yeah. It's a curse. It's a curse, but it's a great curse.
0: As I always say, pretty much on a daily basis, that authors are weird, all of you, just weird.
1: <laughs> and thank you. It's been lovely talking to you, Donna, and uh, I hope you stay well and uh, you take care and we'll talk another time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not with you yet.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. i called you a literary dominatrix offline and I've just done it again.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Oh, God, I hope someone don't
1: pick up on that. <laughs> we all will, trust me. Authors of the world unite. Listen, hashtag literary dominatrix.
0: Yeah, I've, I've Just put
1: hashtag litdom. <laughs> God. And you're blushing, which is great. So I've achieved now. I have the upper hand now, so that's good. Anyway, another tricky question. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> You're the first person that's made for blood, I think. <laughs> um, okay, so um if you were to be fictionally killed, who would you want to solve your case?
1: I think so. Who would you want to be killed by? Um who would I, want? Yeah, who would I want to solve my case. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, you know I've got a thing for Vicky McClure, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's obvious or not. Um, the real Carrie says that, uh, she, you see, I think she'd play a great Carrie. Although she's from Nottingham, like I am. Or um, well, most recently, I was from Nottingham. Uh, and you can tell she's a Nottingham girl, But I think she could play a Londoner. She's such a cracking actress. Um, what was the question?
0: <laughs> Would you want to solve your case if you were murdered?
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, it should be somebody from the famous, really. Well, I'm very lucky that in the early days of my writing, the wonderful Mr. Peter James came to my rescue. Um, whether he realizes it or not, mentor. Um, I don't know if I, you've heard the story of I, I wrote to him because his books are all based in Brighton, and because my name is Lewis Hastings. Those are the three towns that sit alongside each other in Sussex. Brighton, and it was just the the lever to get into him and start talking to him. And he was out in Jamaica at the time, and he, he wrote back. About this sort of interchange, and um, yeah, and I ended up talking to the real Roy Grace. and Real Roy Grace read seventh, which was fantastic, and his wife actually loved it. Real, real honour. I guess the real Roy Grace. Or Graham Bartlett, possibly. I don't want to sort of blow smoke up Graham's chimney, but, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love Graham as well. He's such a Well, I don't,
1: I I, I guess I love Graham, really. It's a man crush, isn't it? Um, We joined at the same time. I I wouldn't say he's cute, but, um, yeah, he's cute-ish. But we joined around the same time, so we have that same... um, Sort of service level, and we can remember the policing of the 90s, you know. But he would have been, and, um, yeah, it, either that or my original detective. The you because if he got onto the back of a criminal, he just you know, bottle of scotch a night, you know. Um, <laughs> turn up, slam the door on his office, and you knew to leave him alone. And uh, Eddie was a great thief taker, so probably. Talking white, if you're listening.
0: <laughs> um, out of all the books you've written, what's been one of the most fun scenes you've written, and what's been one of the most difficult
1: scene? <laughs> okay, I'm conscious that you again, spoiler alert, because you haven't you haven't read them. But I was in Hong Kong um, doing some research for Seventh. Um at the Happy Valley Race course there. I don't know if you've ever been to Hong Kong, but it's it's an iconic racing course, pretty much in the center of Hong Kong. And you can see it's brightly lit at night, and it's a place where all the locals go, and there's a huge amount of money through the through the, the, the books there, you know. Um, the, the Chinese and the Hong Kong a love gambling on anything. Um, and there's a scene there where Jack Cade um, gets progressively drunk with Hong Kong triad department. Um, You've got to read the book to find out why he's there. But long story short, he he ends up winning uh, on an accumulator um, a reasonably large sum of money, which actually sets him up for the rest of his life. That's actually based on a true story as well. But it's the way that he that it goes through that you know that 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 phase as it builds up that he's getting more and more intoxicated and becoming more and more uh, or less less in control of his senses. He's winning more and more at the same time, and it's what happens afterwards between him and uh, the head of the Hong Kong triad unit in a hotel. I'll leave it at that.
0: (laughs) And the most difficult.
1: Most difficult. A couple of scenes. I write about some things that have affected me over the years, uh, either professionally or personally. And I dovetail them into the books. And I think a lot of authors do this, Donna. It's a way of just letting those demons out, you know? And only the closest, nearest, and dearest will actually know what that part of the book is about. I suppose the most recent, and I'm not pushing the chemist for push sake, but in The Chemist, I cover a topic, you've just read the book, and I don't want to spoil it. There's a very sensitive topic uh, in The Chemist, related to Carrie O'Shea. I, and I cover in the acknowledgment of the decision, um, this isn't. This is something sort of on men and women around the world, and I spoke to Hobek at length about it. We include this. You have to be careful these days. You know, in this cancel culture, you can just be boom, you're gone. You know, but equally, we shouldn't not talk about really compelling topics sometimes, and then sometimes in a in a simple paperback, you can just deliver a message about something that's so important. And I'm hedging around, here. I'm not you really what it's about obviously, but I don't want to spoil the people. And I think it's an important part of the storyline because it's going to continue into the next world. So for me, as you've read the acknowledgements, you'll know why that particular thing was important to me, because it's happened to me and my wife, um, and it made a huge impact on us i think in terms of difficulty yes that's probably the um, i'd love to just explain all about what that is and just get it out in the open but the reality is this is a brand new book and i don't really care about people not reading it but i care about those that will want to read it i don't want to spoil it for
0: but when you come back and speak to me again, then we can talk about it properly <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> indeed,
1: and I, and I actually think it's a really important topic, and I think it's a topic that men um, don't know how to discuss and often aren't given any support uh, around, and it quite profoundly too. Yeah, that's guessing, really isn't it?
0: Okay, so as we're on The Chemist, and uh, one thing that I said in my review as well is this needs to be a film. So have you cast in your head your main characters? <laughs>
1: oh, so many times. <laughs> so many times, Donna. This is the constant. I look up every single author everywhere in the world. A, wants their book to sell, B wants it in the top 10 and in those sort of top 10 slots in whatever airports. Uh, And everybody wants their book to be made into a film, of course they do. Um, But what's interesting is every single one of my books, the repeated feedback is these are cinematographic. And we, we, the great we, the, the readers of the world who I adore and I'm lost without, um, we see these scenes playing out on the big screen. So for me, that that is the best reward I can get, is that if readers can see what I see when I'm feverishly wiping away, you know, then that's one thing. See them on screen would be, oh, I'd hire a cinema and- all, all my loved ones and friends and supporters along um, and we I'd even buy a drink for everybody um, don't hold me to that who would play we've only just been discussing this actually uh, a couple of days ago, who would play the key characters and I, look Vicky you'll never listen to this I'm sure, but if you do I adore you, I think you're wonderful uh, I want you as one of my Um I had a real debate, actually, with real karaoke around Vicky McClure and which role she could play. I think she could play anything, quite frankly. Kate Beckinsale is just out. She's just a little bit too um, expensive for me. But yeah, some of the, uh, some of the Eastern European roles, of course, will probably have to be unknown Eastern European actors. And that's not a problem. That's not a bad thing. Um, when you go back to you know, Royale with, with Daniel Craig, although he'd made other films and he's a great actor, the majority of people have never heard of him. So I think uh, a relatively unknown male could play Jack Cade. I've had Tom Hardy thrown at me. Um, Hobeck think Jason Statham. I think he's Jason. I think he's a bit too rough and ready for Jack Cade. Um, Ginger Roberts. So, Jason Roberts, the DCI. Uh, I have this, because you've just read about Jason, you know what he's been through. He's been through, been to Helen back in The Chemist. And in fact, he's probably one of the main characters, and that liberate paid backs away slightly in that book to um, reveal the story behind uh, Ginger Roberts. It's called Ginger for a reason. Um, and again you need to find the backstory to work out that but believe it or not I have this weird fixation on Eddie Izzard playing DCI Jason Roberts because he's I think he can adapt to it he's got a slight campness dare I say it Uh, the real Jason has a slight campness um, and I, I think it would possibly work as a serious role you know Um, John Daniel, JD Colin Firth is a cracking uh, uh, choice there Um, Bridie McGee she would have to be someone like um, Lily James yeah Yeah. girl next door pretty girl next door gets on with the job yeah so yeah, as well, you, you can tell, we've thought about this. Um, the reality is that these books will never be made into feature films. Um,
0: never said. McCur-
1: while mm-hmm. I know Mercurio mm-hmm. is listening, we keep dropping subtle hints. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's going to be looking for the script soon.
0: Yeah, I'll I'm take biased. Him. I'll yeah, take please him if you do. Cool. Yeah, it's
1: fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm biased. I, I mean, I would love to see them on the TV, Don't I really would. Um, the problem, of course, as you know, if you get optioned um, for a TV program on Netflix or whatever, you're basically in the lap of the gods until that either happens or doesn't. And in the meantime, it doesn't go anywhere else. Let's get optioned and worry about it, shall we?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, one step at a time. <laughs>
1: mm. Yeah, Yeah, I never thought I'd be a published author, so, um, yeah. Um,
0: How did your deal with Hobbit come about?
1: (laughs) Okay, that's uh, seven degrees of separation, I guess. So I was, I'd been told for um, about 18 months that you need to get on to Lewis. You're missing it. It's all right being on Facebook where you can, friends um, 45 who i just made up anyway um so i look popular you need to get onto twitter or instagram i just resisted i thought oh, i haven't got time for this okay well, thank god i did because i used it as a way of looking at publishing houses and agents and, this sort of thing. and up until that point i think i've been rejected by three publishers um I told a story the other day, actually. It's a great little mini story. I've got a relative who wrote a book about a detective in Malta in 1959. I've got the script here. I will type it up one day. And she submitted it to a very famous British publishing house. And they wrote back saying, you should be very proud of what you've achieved. However, it isn't what we're looking for at the moment. Yours sincerely, blah, blah, blah. Well, when I submitted Seventh, that same publishing house uh, in 2019, I got exactly the same letter back. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. think like being progressive and moving on. I um, had one agency who said, uh, We don't think high, hide high something, highbrow, hide high something, thrillers are the thing at the moment. Um, Love stories, you know, that sort of stuff. And I said, Well, actually, there's there is a love story entwined through this. If you just read it, and they just read it which is fine. I don't think I actually ever read it. And that and again, you you start to grow that extra skin around that. Then Hoback <clears throat> So Rebecca was at Tesco's somewhere, standing in the car tweeting about Hobet because they were new. They were a brand new publisher. They just um, got uh, Robert the a British famous British actor on board as their first ever author, and they were extremely excited. And they were looking for someone else. And I made a comment, probably a flippant, Lewis comment on Twitter, um, gilded with sarcasm and, uh, and slightly smutty, probably. And he replied, so I wrote back. That was it as far as I was concerned. She drove home and said to Adrian, Look at this guy's website. I I think he's pretty polished. I think we've got something here. We should ask him to submit. So they did, and I put the submission in and that. And this is the famous bath going cold. Uh, story If you've probably heard this, so if anybody hasn't heard, so Rebecca from hobeck reads in the bath, he's fraught with danger anyway. Um, the fact that scene in Love Actually, where the, the script goes into the lake, <clears throat> but she, the bath went completely stone cold. She called out to Adrian, she said, I think we've got our next author. So they wrote back to me, and I ignored the email. Um, so they wrote back again, and I ignored the email because I didn't want to be disappointed. Donald. That was a thing. I knew it was a rejection. found what you've done. However, uh, and on the third day, my wife said, Well, are you going to open that email? Because you never know. She's far more optimistic than me. And lo and behold, it was uh, I remember the words exactly we should dangle you on a carrot. Uh, however, we'll cut to the chase when we sign you up. That was it. And it was all done, the entire legal process of contractual exchange, uh, backwards and forwards, physical contracts, which have, you can't use electronic contracts, you have to be physical contracts, winging their way around the world. All of this was done with no physical meetings during the first lockdown. So yeah, it was quite an achievement. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I love Rebecca and Adrian anyway. They're great.
1: They're okay. I mean, they're bearable. I mean, it's... um, (laughs) They're like... uh, What are they like? It's sort of a parent-child relationship, really. Um, (laughs) In which I'm a parent. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm joking, obviously. They are are fantastic. They've got so much passion. Good morning. Um, Waving there. Hello, how are you? Um, They have so much passion. They really have... It's just infectious, you know, uh, and a great combination of, um, I'm waving back, a great mm-hmm. combination of um, program production, BBC, book publishing, editorial, and it's just a match made in heaven. And they really do genuinely give a damn about their authors, you know, They deserve to to be successful, Donna. I think they haven't put a foot wrong yet, Um, but they're battling against the big boys all the time.
0: Yeah, but they're doing the right thing, so hopefully they'll get what they deserve because they definitely deserve good things.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, they've just just signed up. um, Bob, I think it is, who's the uh, EastEnders scriptwriter. Uh, which is a huge uh, coup for, uh, for Hubek. Yet someone with his, um, if you look at his uh, bio uh, online, he's been involved in so many programmes that you and I have watched over the years, not least his tenders. Um So he's a great, great catch. And it'd be great for all of us to have that, uh, that, um, that script experience, I guess. Perhaps he could make uh, perhaps you could make the, uh, the, the Jack Cade series into TV. Who knows?
0: Yeah, then, you know, another step skip. and then it's just being picked up. It's fine.
1: Yeah, Bob Dawes would want to play Jack Cade, of course. Sorry, Bob. Um,
0: yeah, he's someone I want to speak to, but he's a busy man, isn't he? So.
1: He's no busier than the rest of us. He, he makes out he's busy. Um, <laughs> let, let, let me talk to doors for you and just see. he has been great fun, actually. Honestly, great for Him and um, uh, who do another podcast? Um, I've been good. Good, you know. Again, be supportive. There's no reason for these people to be so kind and supportive. Yeah, everyone just
0: is. <laughs>
1: It's a nice community, Don. I, I know it sounds really sort of almost clichéd, you know, that we're all nice to each other. And I was told that Twitter was a um, mm-hmm. and avoid it like the plague. And yet, yeah, if you want to go and hunt for those sort of things, get involved in, in debates, you go down a rabbit hole. But the reality is with the writing community is mm-hmm. 100%.
0: Yeah, I agree. Plus, I have Lee Child following me, and Ian Rankin, and Fangirl every time they like my tweets or retweet them.
1: <laughs> if, if you want to report that, it is fast as talking. Good for you. I you know? Look, isn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. You know, two of the most successful authors in the world. I can look at. I've got books for both of them on my book. here, uh, and they follow you. So what? So what? You know. Do you, or so what but actually in in our world that is a huge thing and credit to you for, for having that your natural ability to just under people skin and ask them questions um, you know
0: yeah just collect collect all my authors just you know bring them in i've made so many friends it's amazing
1: <laughs> bring them in have you got a cellar full of authors have you my secret <laughs> book eight yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it's only because i want you all to write faster and
1: well, if I'm you're trying. in a cellar
0: away from everybody else then you know you can crack on
1: yeah you've actually thought about this haven't
0: you i have been called annie wilkes more than
1: once <laughs> oh my god you didn't tell me that at the beginning of the interview
0: i know <laughs> at least he's <it's> accidentally <laughs> come out there's um one of my the authors that i've known longest mark tilbury Calls his arc team his uh, twisted Annie's.
1: Jesus, that man yes. needs help.
0: He does. I think he's genuinely always just that little bit scared that we might actually come and hobble him. <laughs>
1: <coughs> yeah, I think we're all getting a bit nervous now.
0: I can't be asked generally. You're far enough away anyway, you're quite safe.
1: <laughs> yes, I am. And I, have, I, I live in a bunker underground yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you're fine, but you know some of the others. And I've met um, Malcolm Holland Drake and Ali uh, Morgan.
1: Ah, yes, uh, of course.
0: They both survived to tell the tale, so it's fine. I'm fine. I'm lovely.
1: Well, no, and I don't doubt. I think I've managed to get away with all your worst questions. Oh.
0: Yeah, not yet. I'm still not finished. Oh dear.
1: Yet.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we keep getting sidetracked doesn't mean they're not in here. <laughs> um. Okay, so when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase?
1: Tango, hotel, alpha, tango. That. <laughs> I took out, I think it was Malcolm that said, what about running a word search over a certain word? And it was either so, S-O, or that. And I said, yeah, of course I'll have it. go." Um, which is 550 pages, something like that. And I took out 508. Sorry, that's...
0: Wow. I
1: thought he was joking. I could not believe it. And to me, they were all absolutely critical to the manuscript, you know? And yet when you look at them, you don't actually need them. It's just a, a thing that you do. Um, starting sentences with the word so. You know? Again, you don't need them. Um, I guess we all have quirks. Of course we do. You know, indeed, child has quirks. We, we're human at the end of the day. But yeah, 508. You know.
0: Oh, that's crazy but yeah i love how every author knows as well <laughs> just like that they know what their word is
1: <laughs> yeah we know everything we know every full stop is <laughs> or should
0: be um what was your favorite first as an author hmm?
1: favorite first
0: yep <clears throat> As then in... like first real copy first yeah. yeah, deal, first five
1: star review. I think the, f- the the whole thing isn't tangible until you've actually got that in your hands. You know, because ebooks are great, stuff online is great. You see these stories edited to, them, you know, and, you, and you, you read them over and over and over again to the point where actually you don't think really. When you actually have that thing bound and turns up in a box and you open it, it's just a wonderful feeling. I guess that and actually having a publisher say, Yeah, we think you've got something here. Because these days, with the likes of Kindle uh, Publishing and Amazon, um, and I'm not blocking self publishing because my trilogy was self published before um, Rubek picked it up. Anybody can write a book now, which I think is wonderful. I, I, I've got so many people that I talk to online who who write to me privately and say, "What's your advice as a family child?" My advice is the same: just write, have a go. If I can, pres- if you can, in one book—that's a huge achievement. The problem is that so many more people writing books now than they did thirty. Years ago, the market getting completely flooded. So the real stories it doesn't have to be mine, it can be anybody's. that those gems always shine. And that's a shame. But you know, I think getting the, the recognition and actually the first book, which was <clears throat> excuse me, landing um, heavily on the doorstep in an earthquake, actually.
0: Um if you're able to spend a day with any author dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with?
1: Well, Peter James keeps up, yeah, doesn't he? Um lovely collection of cars, so that's that's an appeal. Um I love Sebastian Faulk. I think he's a great one. Uh, if you've ever you've read Bird's song, um, up yeah. there in my very much in my top three um, um, I read that as I was walking around the Flanders, World War, the Fields. A book, life, it was incredible. Um, authors dead or alive? Shakespeare's a bit old, isn't he, really? Um, and I hated doing Shakespeare at school. <laughs> Let's go with Peter James. He's very much alive, he's a very lovely man, he's very generous with his time support uh, and I understand if I'm right he didn't start writing which means there's hope for everyone.
0: Yeah another person I want to interview and haven't managed to nail down yet.
1: Well, with Peter is that he's not only busy of course writing books as he seems to produce uh, a novel every four and a half weeks. is he's also standing alongside the production crew for Grace, which I've yet to see, uh, with I think with John Sim. So it's going to be outstanding. He's also a stage show, I think, running with um, Adam Woodyatt, is it? For the ESPN EastEnders or may he still be in EastEnders? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched
0: that for years. <laughs>
1: no. In other, in other words, he's always doing something. So getting hold of him. Um, it's the easy bit getting him to commit is the hard bit we challenge you authors of the world challenge Donna get Peter James he's a lovely man and he's so nice when you hear him interviewed
0: yeah I've seen him once and thought he was great that's why I want to talk to him but yeah I'll keep trying I'm persistent which Simon it needs to take note of I won't give <laughs> up trying to get hold of that man <laughs> he promised me at Harrogate so I'm not giving up
1: Come on, Simon, you're letting us all down.
0: Here. I know, honestly. Yeah, I was telling him off, it was funny. <laughs> In front of Chris Whitaker, as you do at Harrogate. Weird Name-dro- life that I lead. <laughs> yeah, this, this strange life that I lead these days.
1: <laughs> well, I met Atomic Tomic kitten once at an airport. Awesome. I, I carried their baby buggy for them uh, alongside Robbie Williams. Um, but that's another story for another day.
0: I used to serve uh, Frank Bruno in a petrol station I worked in.
1: Well, I've met the Queen.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fine. Can't one I, used up. Serve, <laughs> that.
1: I used to serve the Queen petrol in the Shell station.
0: <laughs> the Queen doesn't buy petrol.
1: She does. You just, she wears a disguise. <laughs> what is on pump four? <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> Fine, you win the one upmanship <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs>
1: I've met her grandsons.
0: Oh, yeah, see, i am be more interested in them.
1: Yeah, I had breakfast with William. That's an, that is another story. Awesome.
0: Okay. I could just note in that away in my head for another <laughs> time. <laughs> um, if you were able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go?
1: I, I was walking the dog the other day, and I heard you ask this question um, of... Mm. It was someone like Mr. Craven, I think it was, someone of that nature. And I thought, right, arc that one up, I'll ask you this. First World War. And the reason is because uh, my grandfather um, was a chauffeur, before the First World War. He was a very rare man in that he could drive a car. And for four, a um, a wealthy family in Surrey, and when the war broke out, he was um, he was summoned to a barrow um, and told going to join the operation, um, which was the tanks. He joined the tank uh, corps and drove one of the first battle tanks into um, into action in Cambrai, in France. As a boy, I always wanted to talk to my granddad about his exploits in the First World War. Because he came home four years later and they took his uniform off him, it was never discussed again. So he was just this old man sitting on a high-backed chair uh, in the dining room in, in a terrace house in Surrey, just staring out into space and I could never I was never allowed, every time I tried to mention it as a boy, it was... down. Um, he was 26 when he went to war, and he was... He's my hero, because he, he won... Not only did he win some um, gallantry medals, he was recognised by the French, um, with some of their highest gallantry awards. Before. He saved his entire tank crew after it was hit by a German rocket, and then he carried a French officer. So... I would love to weird things I would love to stand on the battlefields of the song but just to watch him as a 26 year old man you know because at 26 he was on campaign so that, that's my long answer for a lovely short question
0: <laughs> awesome um, who is your first liberty crush
1: celebrity crush <laughs> well Two actually. One you'll think is a bit weird, uh, which is Amanda Holden. And the reason I say that is I worked in Nottingham and Nottingham Central Studios, no Central and Carlton TV, uh, there used to be a programme called Blind Date. I'm sure you remember. Yes? Remember Blind Date? Yeah? Amanda Holden was, was a guest or, or, a, or a, a blind date. That was when she first came on television. I remember thinking at the time, hmm, you're very 50. And she's 50 now, for God's sake, and she's still pretty. She's
0: my hot. Proper, she's not just pretty, she's hot.
1: <laughs> well, she's pretty. Yeah, but
0: my, my, it how it my, is, man, it's fine. I can well, see that. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my first celebrity crush was actually a real one which my wife was quite happy about um, was another Amanda actually, it was Amanda Burton. Now the reason there is that I used to do a lot of um, work with central television because they used to use police officers to um, work with the TV crews in case uh, there was a need to Road down, um, or there was any security issues with their actors. And I got to know Amanda Burton uh, when she was filming Peak Practice. And I thought she was the most delightful, I loved her accent, it was divine. Um, I love the Irish accent on a woman, I think it is the sexiest thing there is on the planet. And she was also incredibly lovely and nice. Um, So I sort of stood at a distance, stood there in my police uniform, thinking, ah, I'd love to give her a hug. And then one morning I woke up off night shift, and um, there, laying on the pillow next to me, was a photograph of Amanda Burton, which somebody had got for me and she'd put. To Lewis with love always, Amanda. Kiss 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 kiss. And I still have the photograph, isn't it? But and then she went on to obviously to a lot of crime-based um, series and a great. So we'll put we we'll put that we'll say Amanda Bird. And if she's busy, Amanda Holden.
0: <laughs> my uh, my old boss used to like Amanda Holden as well, so not that unusual.
1: No, I. am Actually, she's, she's probably a very lady, I think, as well. I think she's pretty down to earth.
0: Yeah, her life is filthy.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's disgusting. It's it's bed for it? But, um, mm-hmm. no, I think, um, I mean, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale is And she's in a completely different league and on a different planet half the time. She's got such a fabulous sense of... You've heard the story about where she wanders around the the hotels late at night, around the world in a a pantomime horse outfit. Her and her um, production assistant. Because she doesn't want to be recognised. She goes for walks at these hotels as a pantomime horse. (laughs) For a Hollywood star, I think that that is magnificent.
0: That's awesome and hilarious and great.
1: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful lady. And uh, I think she's quite grounded. There you go. There's three to choose from. I'll have Thursdays and Saturdays off.
0: <laughs> you need a rest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were stranded on a the desert island, what three things would you want with you?
1: Uh, a helicopter. <laughs> a boat. Kate Beckinsale. Beckinsale. <laughs> If she wasn't available. No, um, what yeah, would careful
0: I careful how you answer that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking, i was just a photo of my my wife on the side. Yeah, my wife, obviously, number one. Um, and my family. Uh, fish that I caught. Um, I'd have to have a volleyball called Wilson, because that's standard, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, the logical things I've studied this work is that you need the the classic thing, fresh water, food, you know. But the reality is, yes, you have a large uh, super yacht um, so that when you got bored you could sail away. Um, Yeah, probably a photograph uh, and something to write. I could sit under a palm tree plenty of times um, and just write book eight, call it Castaway.
0: Would you not need to slip a seven in there somehow? Uh,
1: Castaway seven, I suppose. It would be a series, Uh, starting at Castaway one. (laughs) Um, there's not a 7 in every book, although there's a 7 on the spine of every book, if you look, and each one tells its own story, and I'm unique in the Hobeck family, because all the books have a Hobeck logo on them, on the spine, but mine have a 7 on them, uh, and each of them tells a story, so you'll have to have a look. and see I will, yeah,
0: I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was I just going to ask you? Oh, if I was to ask your wife and your nearest and dearest what your most annoying habits are, what would they say? Uh,
1: talking about my books incessantly. Uh, throat clearing, um, which apparently is an extremely annoying thing. Um, but I've got a wonderful new doctor who's worked out why I do that. Um, it's not anxiety or nerves, it's apparently something quite simple. So that's good. What else? Uh, I'm incessantly uh, pessimistic. Terrible, terrible. I have a safety net around me all the time now. And that comes from 32 years of doing what I do. And the reality is that, <clears throat> excuse me, there you go. If you um, if you don't have this pessimistic safety net and things go wrong, then you feel like you you know yourself deal with it whereas if you think about everything things can only get better and that's what being in my world does to people it makes you see things You start your starting point is negative and then you build it. I guess I'll go with that one <laughs>
0: okay um, well, you may be pleased to know that I don't have any more questions for you at the moment, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us.
1: No, not at all. I'm, I, there are no more questions at all. <laughs> um, I have more
0: for next time. Don't worry. There's some still the, saved
1: There's a next time. Oh, there will be. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: I'll get Rebecca to, and Adrian to bully you into it.
1: <laughs> no, you don't need. To, I'm more than happy. Anytime we watch, I'm more than happy. Thank you so much for uh, your wonderful review. And importantly, I'm not um, not trying to score brandy points here, but for people like you, Donna, for this community, I use the phrase mortar in the brickwork. And I think that's very important for you to realise that I didn't know and when I set out on this fever-filled journey of being an author that there's all these people out there wanting to read books and write about them and review them. And you do it unconditionally. Occasionally you get a free book, but actually the, the amount of work that's involved, and there's people like you that I, it would take me a year to read one of our books. There's people like you out there that read books in a day. and I think you're either superhuman or I'm, I'm probably subhuman or missing something. Um, <clears throat> so from me and the, the writing community, thank you for what you do for us. Because we'd be genuinely really, really lost without you.
0: Thank you. That's
1: <laughs> no, a pleasure. Absolute pleasure.
0: Um, and just before we go, would you just like to remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from?
1: I have, um, I have a website pending a, a short name because um, I can never remember what it's called. It's called Literary um, Tasting. It's on my Twitter page. All of my identities on Twitter and Instagram are at the author, um, which was a, an inspired moment. I typed it into the search field and I thought, oh, nobody's got this. Lewis Hastings is the author. Couldn't be better.
0: Yeah, I like that. Find me
1: there. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I've had a few authors try to buy it off. Genuinely, can we buy that handlock? Um, come back to me in five years, like Bitcoin. Um Hobeck, of course, uh, Hobeck.net is a classic place where you can get books. I think in the UK, you can buy them from Hobeck post free as well. That's a great way to do it. Support them uh, more than some of the big chains. You can buy them on Amazon, of course. You can buy them on book. Um, but yet to go into some of the bookshops, hint, hint, um, you know, Waterstones, this thing. You know, it's about time you stopped them. Um, Jed Mercurio, if you're listening, it's about time you made them into a TV series. There's enough there for three series.
0: Easily.
1: If not, it's just one long feature film. So, yeah. So, website, Instagram. I'm not on TikTok purely because I have got so few... Hours left in my life where I can actually just be me. There's, there's an awful lot. I would warn anybody that's looking at going into this game of uh, being an author. Um, it has a sort of glamorous, um, you know, like Ian Fleming sitting out at GoldenEye in Jamaica, typing his, uh, his latest Bond. Killer. But it's a lot of hard work, you know, to keep current, to keep. Um, at it, unless you're the James. Actually the truth is he works at it all the time. Isn't it? I've loved this Donna, thank you so much for your time.
0: I've loved
1: it too, thank you. See, <clears throat> It's contagious